So, um, Acts chapter 6, we're going to read uh, the first seven verses this morning. And uh, so, um, Acts chapter 6, beginning in verse 1, let's give our attention to God's perfect word. Now, in those days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenist arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Procurus, and Nicor, uh, Nicanor, and Timon, and uh, Parmenas, and Nicolaus, a parcelatite of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for Acts, and just as we see over and over, uh, your kingdom, your church, pushing forward through all opposition, challenges, conflict. Lord, I pray as we look at this passage this morning, and Lord, I consecrate my lips, my heart, my mind. Lord, may I speak nothing more or less than is here in this text. May I make it plain to them for their benefit. And Lord, I pray for them that their hearts, their minds, their ears would be prepared to receive your word now. Lord, I ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, I don't know if you have noticed, we live in an age where companies have more vice presidents than departments. Have you noticed this? You know, there was a day when you just had the president and the vice president. But now you have like 27 vice presidents, right? You have vice president over... Now, why is this? We want titles that sound important and big. Let me read you some titles. See if you can figure out what they're referring to. Uh, sanitation engineers. You know those? We should just call them uh, trash collectors. Environmental services technician. They once were just janitors. Account manager, called him salesman. Oh, can you figure this one out? Culinary, a culinary assembly engineer. Culinary assembly engineer, fast food worker. IT director. What's interesting about this one is often you have an IT director in a small place where there's only one guy. What's he directing? I guess the computers and the servers, right? We just, it needs to sound important. A domestic engineer. As a stay-at-home parent, oh, how about me? I'm a spiritual engineer. Or how about this one? A human transformation architect. Doesn't that sound good? Human transformation architect. Basically, if you add architect or engineer after the end of any name. But see, the reality is all those jobs have dignity in themselves. We don't need some big title. This morning we're looking at what's God's vision for deacons. So we're going to start with actually the title, deacon. Do you know what it means? The word in the New Testament, deacon, is literally translated servant. So kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? Do you want to be when you grow up? I guarantee none of you right now are thinking servant. 
right? Maybe astronaut, maybe policeman, fireman, not servant. Deacon means servant. Isn't that interesting? Our culture, we want to have, make a name for ourselves, be great. Jesus said this in Matthew 20, whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. So now that you understand the meaning of the word, deacon, it just means servant, now we're going to look. Look at page 7. This is the outline. We're answering the question, what is God's vision for a deacon? Three things, care for the physical needs of the flock. Two, enable, enable elders to focus on the spiritual needs of the flock. And three, facilitate the powerful witness of the church. Looking at that first one, deacons care for the physical needs of the flock. Okay, so look at verse 1. What's the situation? What's the problem that started this all off? Look at there at verse 1. It says, now in those days when the disciples were increasing in number. So church is growing, things are great, but a complaint by the Hellenist arose. Hellenists, okay, that means Greek-speaking Jews. That's important. Greek-speaking Jews arose against the Hebrews, the Aramaic-speaking Jews, because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. Okay, so we likely have some ethnic favoritism, right? So somehow all the, the widows of this race who were Greek-speaking weren't getting their fair share. And so they're saying, hey, we're a minority and we aren't being taken care of. So that's the problem that starts all this off. Okay, so the apostles have a choice, right? They either ignore it or they address it. It seems like a no-brainer. Fix the problem, right, guys? But look, here's the reality. And this is true for all of us. Whenever you do something new, you have to do less of what you were doing or stop something you're doing. Right? We have limited time and resources. Whenever you add something, something else falls off. So look how they respond. Because they're doing something else. What is it? It says, And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we give up preaching the word to serve tables. It is not right for us to give up. So they're, they're committed to preaching the word. And they said, If we do this, we won't be able to do what we're supposed to be doing. Now, what do you think when you hear serve tables? You're probably thinking of a waiter, right? Would you like a refill on that drink? Can I take those dirty dishes from you? Right? That's what waiters do. So that's probably not the best mental image. What this likely means, serve tables, is either money tables or food distribution tables. Okay, so let's, let's rewind and get some context. In the book of Acts, what's been happening in the previous chapters? Let me read to you from Acts 4. It says, now Joseph, this is 4.36. Now Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, sold a field that belonged to him, brought the money, and laid it at the apostles' feet. Okay, so we have some poor in the church. All kind of people are coming into the church, right? Some wealthy, some poor. And so wealthy ones are saying, I don't need this extra field. I'm wealthy. I'll just sell the field. I'll give the money to the apostles, and then you, can, you guys can take care of the poor. Okay, this is what's happening. And so then they're distributing it. And so either they're, the money, so right, they sold the field, they got the money. Either they're giving money out to widows, or they're taking the money, buying food, and giving food out to the widows. So that's the picture. So when they're saying serve tables, they're talking about the distribution of all these assets that's been given to their care. I mean, up to this point, the apostles are caring for both the spiritual as well as the physical needs of the, of the Christians, right? Because the money is being brought to them. They're preaching, and then they're also getting the money and distributing it. Okay, so look at verse 3. 
So it, they aren't de- dis- diminishing the physical needs. You see this in verse 3. Therefore, brothers, so they're saying to everyone, we can't do this, but therefore pick from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit, and of wisdom, whom you, who we will appoint to this duty. So they're saying, this is important, it needs to be done, but we can't do it. So you pick from among yourselves. This is why in our church and many other churches, you guys will actually nominate and then later vote on who will be your elders and your deacons. You see it right here. Here's an example. They're doing that. The apostles don't even pick the guys. They say, you guys pick from among yourselves. That's what we're doing, right? You're learning. Hey, what's the job description? What are the qualifications? So we know who to pick for these jobs for our church, Hope Community Church. Okay, so they pick from among themselves. But look at the end of verse 3. What do the apostles do? We will appoint to this duty. So you pick them, give them to us, and then we're going to appoint them. So this still happens. We, another word for appoint is or to ordain. We ordain both elders and deacons. And you see this practice. So if you're wondering why we do things the way we do them, we get examples right here. They picked and then they appointed. The apostles appointed them. <clears throat> oh, look at the qualifications. So in a couple of weeks, we're going to look at, uh, next week, Brandon's going to look at the qualifications for an elder, and then I'm going to look at the following week, qualifications for deacons. We're going to look at 1 Timothy Timothy 3. This is a little mini list. Look at verse 3 again. What are the three qualifications? Kids, do you see them? Look at verse 3. See if you can find three qualifications of what a deacon must be. Now, while you're looking for those, you might say, if you're really astute, you say, hey, wait a second. The word deacon's not even in here. Very good point. So, yes, the word deacon isn't in here. So these, we'll call them proto-deacons. This is a predecessor to deacons, right? But what the job they're doing is later, by the time we get to some of um, Paul's letters, he is calling them deacons, right? So that office exists by the time we get to, to um, Paul's writings. So now it's, it's still, everything's, one of the things you see in Acts is everything's, this, the concrete's still soft, right? Things are just coming together, right? So that's what we have here. Okay, kids, did you figure it out? You ready? All right, so here's your answer. If you got these, you got the correct answer. Grade your own work. All right. Um, Men of good repute, full of the spirit, and full of wisdom. You got that? That's the right answer. So three things. What are those? Um, First one, good repute, good reputation. Now, is it possible for someone to have a good reputation and be evil? Well, yes. But someone who has a bad bad reputation, they're more likely to have bad character. So they at least have to have a good reputation. That's a minimum requirement. Full of the Spirit. Did you know that the Holy Spirit cares not just about spiritual needs, but also physical? They need the Spirit. And then also full of wisdom. Why this high bar, these qualifications? Well, think about it. There's a large amount of money that that they're entrusted with, right? People are selling fields and giving all the money and putting them here and say, these guys are going to take care of that. And remember Judas, one of the 12? He had this habit of, he'd take a little bit and stick in his pocket, right? We learned that about him. Matthew was a tax collector. He knows how this works. One for Caesar, two for me, right? And so they say, we need men who are, who are trustworthy, full of wisdom, full of the Spirit. I remember I had, I had said that um, Paul will actually get to use the word deacon. Let me just give you those references in case you're curious. Uh, Philippians 1.1 Okay, so this is a letter to the church at Philippi. Paul writes, um, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. Interesting. Even he calls himself a servant. 
here's an elder and apostle. Paul and Timothy's servants, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons. Overseers, we learned in, in past weeks, is another word for elder. So elders and deacons. In 1 Timothy 3.8, we'll look at that in a few weeks. He says, deacons likewise must be dignified. So by the time we get there, we have this office called deacon. Um, as we've already said, the literal translation means servant. And so in our passage, it says serve tables. The Greek word, it's a different form of the same word, right? To be a servant and to serve. But this isn't, just to be clear, this is not deacons yet, but it's, it's the, the foundation. He's laying the groundwork for it. So it's, it's one of the best places we have to get a picture of what's God's vision for them. Okay, so we looked at the qualifications Oh, here's something interesting. All those names I was stumbling over, <laughs> did anyone notice? Um, you didn't know this, and I wouldn't know this if I didn't read the commentaries. They're all Greek names. Now, why would they do that? So the people pick from among themselves seven Greek guys. Well, remember, who are, who's the whole issue with? The Greek widows. And so they pick some Greek guys because they know that they'll make sure that everything is fair. That's interesting. Then look what happens. So uh, they pick them. Um, all right, I'll do it just so you guys can enjoy my misery of pronouncing their names. So look at verse 4 and 5 again. But we'll devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and of the Holy Spirit, Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parnius, and uh, Nicolaus. Nicholas, um, Nicolaus, there we go, a proselyte of Antioch. Okay, and then look what happens next. Okay, so you got the guys, you said, hey, here's our seven guys. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. We are going to do that. Once we, when we get through this whole process, it'll be a year from now, you guys will pick people, we'll train them, then you'll vote on them, and then we'll actually up here, Lord willing, we'll lay hands on them and pray over them. This practice of laying hands on is not new. They did not invent this. This is an Old Testament practice. Do you know that? They did that in the Old Testament. In Numbers, two times we find this, Numbers 8, they laid their hands on the Levites when they set them apart for the service of the Lord. Numbers 27, Moses is laying hands on Joshua to commission him. So we see it in the New Testament as well and all the way to today. So there you go. Again, you wonder why we do things? We just follow the example we see in Scripture. All right, so look. So you saw that in verse 6. Ooh, here's something interesting. What, are we, what holiday are we celebrating today? Good, okay, you're all awake, thank you. <clears throat> so here's something interesting. Is there any connection? I just want to give a, a quick shout out to all the mothers in the room. Many of you have labored behind the scenes in your families. You've cared for the physical needs of your families, enabling your husbands to go have a job, to, to serve in the church, to do all kinds of things out there because you behind the scenes are holding down the fort. We are very grateful for you. Praise God for you that behind closed doors, you do, are doing a thankless job. That's very much like what a deacon does, isn't it? Deacons behind the scenes, they're rarely up on stage. They're doing things to make everything else possible. So we're grateful for all of you moms. Praise God for you. Okay, so jumping back, all this behind-the-scenes work, what does it make possible? So our second point is God's vision for deacons is to enable elders 
to focus on the spiritual needs of the flock. The origin of something often gives us clues of its function. The origin of something gives us clues of its function. This is true with deacons too. Okay, so this is likely the origin of what later become the office of deacon. And so um, we know the situation, right? Greek-speaking widows are being neglected. The apostles say we can't be two places at once, right? Verse 3. And so he says, pick from among yourselves. We already looked at that. Men of good repute. Now look at verse 4. This is really important. But we will devote ourselves to what? Two things. Kids, can you find them? Look at verse 4, two things. It says we're going to devote ourselves to two things. So of the hundreds of things that you can do, they're going to list two. Now that's a pretty short job description. He's saying these two things are so important that we are setting ourselves apart for them. What are they? Prayer and the work, of the, or the ministry of the word. Prayer and the ministry of the word. Let's look at the second one. Ministry of the word. How important is that, ministry of the word? Without the ministry of the word, the lost would be doomed to hell. Is that not true? It is through the ministry of the word. Paul says this in Romans 10. He says, how will they call on him to whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him who they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone to preach? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. The good news has to be preached. This is very, very important. Without it, you would know far less of the love of God. Without the ministry of the word, you would not grow very much as a Christian. This is very, very important. And so they devote themselves. So what was the other thing? What was the first thing? It was prayer. Thank you for aiding us in that process. Many of you have given us prayer requests today. Thank you. We'll pray for those. It's a very central part of our job description to pray, to pray for you. I know in our American church in this age, this is, it's gone on hard times. Prayer is not top of the list for most Christians. It was in the early church. I mean, think about that. Just let that sink in. They only listed two things, and one of them was prayer. It's the top two things in their job description, and they said one was prayer. I think that's pretty profound. And that's why we take it seriously. You know, what's interesting is in the Greek, there's actually um, a definite article. All you teachers, you know what that is? Definite article is the. So right before prayer, it says the. Well, that's interesting. It sounds kind of odd. That's why it doesn't come through in English. It says devote themselves to the prayer or the prayers and the ministry of the word. It's likely talking about church prayer meetings. The prayers. Okay? And so that's, our church does this, don't we? Occasionally, we'll devote ourselves to prayer. We have a day of prayer and fasting. We gather together to pray. They did it in the early church, too. Yeah, I think it would be good for all of us to let that sink in. When you neglect anything, and when you do anything, you, you easily neglect something else. You know, and for them, it wasn't just these were important to them. They actually would be disobedient to Christ. They were under marching orders. Right? Like a commission, when you're commissioned, right, and you're, you're, doing, you're on a mission, do you just do whatever you want? No. Your time is devoted. If you're in the military, right, you say, I, I can't, thank you, I'd love to come to your little tea shop there, it looks very nice, but I'm on a mission, and I have to complete this mission. 
And so that's true for the apostles. It's true for us, isn't it? Have you ever heard the expression, good is often enemy of the best? Good is often enemy of the best. What that means is, is that often good things get in the way of the best things. That's what it, was it good to make sure that all the widows got fed? Absolutely. But they said, hey, we need, the best thing is this. This is our priority. Let's delegate. We'll get someone else to do this good thing. Is your career good? I hope you can nod your head yes. Is your hobby good? I don't know what your hobby is, but it's probably good. There's lots of things. Your, your kids' extracurricular activities. Sure, they're good. Is that making sure widows get their fair share? Absolutely. That is a good thing. But the elders were resolute in not letting any good thing get in the way of the best things. Do you do that? Do you let good things keep you from doing best things? This is a central issue in this passage. Keeping first things first. It applies to all of us. You too have been commissioned, have you not? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. That was not just for pastors. It's for all believers. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom. His righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. See, this applies to all of us. We're all attempted to let good things get in the way of best things. But circling back to deacons, one of the helpful things about this passage is how it gives marching orders to all deacons. But their, their marching orders run contrary to our culture. Remember we said the meaning of it is servant? No one wants to be a servant. We want to all have a great career. Have a... Sorry. Let's use this. That's one way to wake you all up. Sorry about that. Technology is there for you when you need it. Okay. Um, where were we? Oh, it's opposite of our culture. Right? Our culture, this is true for everybody. You need to have a great career. Make it a great name for yourselves. You know, the reality is, a generation from now, most of our companies will be bankrupt and out of business, and our children will be running the country. Let that sink in. It's true. And so what really matters? Our, our culture is very mixed up. It's very mixed up. We want to have a big, important job title, and it's just a lie. Now, there's a couple people in here, to find them, who actually remember World War II. And it's not you, Todd. <laughs> um, you've probably seen these. There were propaganda posters that the U.S. government put out to encourage everybody to remember that they all played a part in the war effort. Have you ever seen those? There was Rosie the Riveter. We can do this. Right, so Rosie the Riveter is going to go get a job in a factory making tanks or doing whatever so that the men can go over to Europe and fight a war. Right, there's tons of these posters helping people understand that together we all have a part to play in this. Another one said, together we can do it. Keep them firing. They're helping them realize it's not just soldiers on the front line that has a part to play. This is the heart of a deacon. This is the heart of a deacon. A genuine desire to take off the backs of the elders anything, any practical task, logistical concern, physical responsibility, to allow the elders to stay focused on prayer and the ministry of the word. If you've been here the last two weeks, remember the job description of elders? It was kind of big, wasn't it? You need to shepherd the flock. You need to know them. You need to feed them. You need to lead them. And you need to protect them. 
And then when you're done with those things, you need to be an example to them. You need to have a holy life. You need to shepherd your own family well. You need to live on mission and and encourage everyone else to do the same. That's a pretty big job description. But the reality is, in many churches, elders get wrapped up doing diaconal, deacon work. They're doing logistical things, physical things. And what gets neglected? Their actual job description. Nobody is going to shepherd and do all those other things that we talked about the last two weeks. And so a deacon, their heart is to say, hey, elder, I got you covered. Let me take care of that, and you keep preaching the word. You go shepherd the flock. You go encourage, right? That's the heart of a deacon, is to say, hey, I'll take this off, just like those propaganda posters, right? Rosie the Riveter, right? That we, we, can, we can take on more. I can go without so that, that a war effort can happen a th- thousands of miles from here. I hope you see the parallel. But I just want to pause and affirm you guys. Since we started this church, you guys have been doing this. You guys have been driving trailers. You've been making coffee. You've been setting up communion. You've been setting up pipe and drape week after week after week. You've been cleaning up. This is the work of deacons, and you've been doing it. It has made this church possible. Brandon and I can do what we do because all of you are doing what you do. Praise God for you. You guys have servants' hearts. It is beautiful. And you're a powerful witness to the gospel by your sacrificial service. And that brings us to our third point. More briefly, what's God's vision for deacons to facilitate the powerful witness of the church? You know, in the book of Acts, there's this common refrain. If you've been reading through it, you know this. Somebody gets martyred, the church advances. Someone gets put in prison, the church advances. Anything happens, the church advances. So what happens in our passage? There's the opportunity for a church split, isn't there? Man, the, the Greek-speaking widows are being neglected. Man, we don't need those Jews. Let's just start a Greek church. Look at verse 7. So they address the matter. They, they raise up men to address it. And then verse 7. And the word of God continued to increase. And the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests, even the priests, are becoming obedient to the faith. I love this. But look at the word there, the, how it words it. The word of God. What do they devote themselves to? The ministry of the word. And so that's what moved forward. They kept first things first. This is an admonition to me, every other elder, and every other church. We must keep first things first. If the word is not first, the ministry of the word and prayer is not first, nothing else happens. Super important. And there's also this interesting parallel in the very beginning. Look at verse 1 again. The disciples were increasing in number in verse 1. Then we have this conflict problem. And at the end, the number of the disciples multiplied greatly. That's our prayer. And that's what happens when you keep first things first. They're back on track. You've probably heard that Jesus is the head of the body. You ever heard that? The body of Christ, Jesus is the head. Well, the body has a mouth and hands. The mouth, you could say, is the elders, but it needs hands. It needs people that love people, that take care of their physical needs. This is deacons. As we wrap up, man, if you thought Christianity was a place for prestige and honor and a good job title, you came to the wrong place. I mean, think about our leader. Our chief shepherd went around serving everybody. I mean, the guy 
washed people's feet. This was like the lowest man's job. He did the worst servant's job. That's Jesus. He was a servant of all. I mean, some people think, I'll come to church and then maybe I'll get a raise, or maybe I can have a position at the church. I'll be an elder or deacon. I'm not a spiritual engineer. I'm not a human transformational architect. I'm just a shepherd. You're not a domestic engineer. We're Christians. We're servants of the living God. Philippians 2, 7, speaking of Jesus, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. In John 13, Jesus said, if then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, this is right after he washed their feet, you also ought to wash each other's feet, for I've given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Truly I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If our master was a servant, then he's called us to be servants. He's called us all to serve each other and willing to do whatever task is needed. And the truth is you've done this. You've done this so beautifully. As that World War II poster said, together we can do it, keep them firing. We aren't firing rounds. Our weapons, as 2 Corinthians 10 says, the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. They have divine power to demolish strongholds. Kids, you know the armor of God? What's the sword? The sword is the Bible. It's the Bible. It's the word of God. That's your sword. Let us keep first things first. So as verse 3 says, you may pick from among yourselves those who will do this work, this diaconal work, take care of the practical needs of the church. That Lord willing, verse 7 will also come true, that the word of God may continue to increase in Cain Bay and the number of the disciples may multiply greatly. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, that is our prayer. We long to see the number of disciples increasing and multiplying. Lord, I, I drove past a bunch of people this morning that don't know their right hand from their left, likely. Lord, I long that they would be here in some church worshiping the living God. Lord, please, please multiply our labors. Raise up more and more people to serve. Thank you for how much you've already answered this. So many people who are so willing to do so many menial tasks to make it possible for your, your word to be preached and for us to pray. Lord, we do lay this prayer before you. Lord, I do pray that you'd raise up worthy men to be deacons in our own church, that we can lay hands on them and ordain them as deacons. Lord, all good gifts come from you, and that would be a good gift. Thank you that there's so many who serve so well already. We pray these things in the name of Christ.